0: Today, we have Kerry Bolton, who is based in Melbourne and who is an elegant serial entrepreneur known for being ahead of the game, bringing her in the trenches experience running, managing, and exiting her own businesses successfully. Kerry works with SME owners to achieve the ultimate payday using Proven Frameworks, she rapidly identifies how to generate a sale price of two to three times the current value, creating a sellable business and design a life after business. Kerry is a certified value builder and exit planning advisor and holds a master's in entrepreneurship and innovation. Her first book, The Uncensored Truth About Exit Strategies, where you will discover there's more to a profitable exit strategy than just selling your business, and we talk about the four myths. A second book, Million Dollar Payday, How to Get Rich and Get Out, Creating the Perfect Exit Strategy and Life After Business. This step-by-step book details how to build a strong and successful exit plan, which is an absolute must if you want to get full value from any sale or succession process. Kerry gives you down-to-earth practical advice and walks you through what most people don't know or refuse to believe about the process of planning their exit. Kerry believes exit and succession planning is simply a good business strategy. It's a process, not a destination. She helps you overcome challenges that you're likely to face as a business owner. And even more importantly, Kerry shows you the steps you need to take to unlock your wealth to create financial freedom so you don't become just another statistic. So let's tune in to Kerry and find out how to create the perfect exit strategy for your business today. Enjoy. Now we have a very interesting guest today. We've never had a an exit strategist in um, on the show thus far, and today we have Kerry Bolton. Welcome to I Am One Project.
1: Thank you very much indeed, Catherine. It's a great pleasure to be here.
0: So, Kerry and I were having a bit of a chat because I was just explaining to Kerry that just today I was having a. a A coffee with another entrepreneur in business. And uh, we were having the conversation about do you have an exit strategy? And as I was explaining to Kerry, most people don't. So that's why we've got her on the show. But also, she does have a new book, Million Dollar Payday How to Get Rich and Get Out. But before we get started, let's unpack Kerry Bolton. Kerry, tell us your story. Right. Okay.
1: Right back when, um, I guess one of the things I've had to do uh, is make my own way in life, which is um, as a result of my uh, sister and I, uh, just the two of us, uh, we lost our mum um, when we were both very, very young, age three and four. And then, unfortunately, our father died about 10 years later. So, we found ourselves uh, really having to find our own way in the world and um, I... (laughs) I uh, I guess uh, in the when when was this the late 1960s for me uh, at that stage you all you can do pretty much as a female back then was to become a secretary or work in retail or uh, maybe a nurse or uh, something like that but um, of course we couldn't afford to go to any sort of higher education so I went off and um, got myself. into the tech and learned how to do shorthand and typing and became a secretary but i also decided at the time that the best way for me to learn all about business and really i don't know what it was that inspired me but i think the fact that my uncle had a business is and i worked there in the in the school holidays is what Sowed the seed, so I decided I needed to learn and as much as I could. So I, I was really determined to work alongside um, the most talented people I could find, and really that's that was my education. Um, so. Um, Working in a variety of different industries and being in that secretarial role, you know. Just as an aside, I was listening the other night to the radio, and speaking of secretaries, that the um the 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 job that is redundant now today in this day and age is secretary because because everyone's learned to type and do their own things. Uh, so. People don't need secretaries any longer. How about that? Anyway. Wow, I didn't uh, like that. I know, I know. And um, but so you have so so the the best skill you can have today is uh, flexibility. So if you're a secretary, you need to become um, something more. So you know the executive assistants or personal assistants. That type of role still exists, but the the secretary has gone. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, amazing. Um, anyway. Uh, so that for me was really that was that was just the best thing I could be doing. It was a great opportunity, and I I, um, I had the really good fortune to uh, be recognised for. Being able to like having some talent and and being able to do do more than just secretarial roles and I was uh, you know, always aspired to have my own business somewhere along the line. So, uh, quite a few years later, I found myself working in the shipping industry, and I happened to be the first female sales representative in the shipping industry way back when in Melbourne, and uh, that was uh, a very interesting career because being um, a male-dominated industry, as a woman, you had to be able to stand out from the crowd, which was, of course, easy to do because you're a female. Um, but then again, you had to be twice as good as the next guy in line. So, um, you weren't simply a pretty face. So, I think that was that was really what stood me in good stead. And um, I was recruited to a business called Freight Management International, which happened to be a division of Maine Nicholas. I um, People around who might be listening to this who are, who are um, of my vintage or baby boomers would know what the business Maine Nicholas, but most young people wouldn't have a clue what that business is today. Um, it's actually a publicly listed company and it's called Maine Farmer these days. So, Maine Nicholas... Um, was – that that business as FMI um, was terrific for me. I was recruited as the National Marketing and Development Manager and three years later I became the General Manager. And again, I was the first female General Manager in Maine Nicholas. So, I think I started to pave the way. And people, you know, people used to talk about having, um, you know, companies having a glass ceiling mm. and I had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> I never understood what this glass ceiling was, you know, because hmm, you decided that you wanted to do something and you just did it. You know, I just never occurred to me that there were ever any barriers. Isn't uh, it's funny, isn't it? It's just an attitude. So, um, and I, I, I honestly think that, that that's exactly what it is. It's an attitude. So you can, there isn't a. A glass ceiling you can do whatever you really want to do if you if you're focused on it and that that is a desire that you actually have <laughs> anyway um, being the having that role as the general manager was in fact uh, the the presented the opportunity to me because May Nicholas decided that they wanted to get out of a number of businesses that they were in back then in, in the mid-80s because they looked ahead strategically and decided that the health industry is what they wanted to be in. So, they sold off quite a number of the businesses and one of that those businesses was the one that I was – general manager for which was Freight Management International. Uh, they decided that they would try to sell it off to an international group and um, I just was charged with uh, running it while I tried to do that but eventually they came back to me because they couldn't sell it and uh, said I, I'd i already said I was, I was interested and they came back and said well uh, we can't sell it which are you still interested? So um, I went to a very dear friend and mentor and he said to me Kerry you put the business plan together and if you can convince me, I'll help you get the money. And I had never, ever written a business plan to raise money from investors and we needed a million dollars to get to, to take the business. So um, I was <laughs> I remember sitting at the kitchen bench crying my eyes out one Saturday because I'd tried to write this plan and I just couldn't do it. And then I saw an ad in the paper and there it was, a book called business plans that win dollars how to write business plans that win dollars and it was a a, it was a um, clip out coupon send away pay your money and away and it would arrive from america and it was written by two guys out of mit massachusetts institute of technology anyway it arrived and um, i read the book cover to cover and i wrote my business plan by that book and My friend uh, and mentor was true to his word. We raised the money. He got the investors, and on the um, first of July, nineteen eighty-seven, I took over the business. So, as a management buyout. And um, the uh, the aside story in that is that my daughter, first child, was born the day I had to sign the contract. So, wow. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, you don't know what what you don't know it's become such a famous saying now Mm, so So she yes so she got to come to work with me for the first two months of her life and um and then after that, I got some help with a nanny. Uh, but, uh, it, you know, that was they, – they were really heady days. Um, the business, we had 83 staff in five locations around Australia and 120 international agents. And my plan at the time was to grow the business and sell it to an international group somewhere between the five and the 10-year mark. So, achieve what – Amain Nicholas could not do. Mm-hmm. And the beginning, as I say, the beginning and the end, out absolutely perfectly. And everything else was up and down in between. Every imaginable experience that you could think of, you know, we went through. So, um, but but it, I did actually manage to achieve the ultimate aim, which was to sell the business to an international group. But I'll just go back a little bit because it ties in with what I'm now doing today. When I read that book, What I learned was if you wanted to have investors in your business, you needed to present in your plan, you needed to present your exit strategy. So people put money in, how are they going to get their money out? It's all very well. You might get dividends along the way. But when you're in a private company, as opposed to a publicly listed firm where you can buy and sell your shares, when you're in a private company, your money's locked up. You can't get your money out unless there is a way. So you need to have an exit plan to, to present to your investors for them to know where where it where is it, beginning with the end in mind. That's what it's about. And the biggest investor in any business, any private business, of course, is the owner. So, so I was very fortunate to learn back then that I needed to have an exit strategy, and that's what I was able to present. Anyway, the as I said, we. We managed to pull that off nine years later. I sold the business off to an international group and. Um, the thing that I was most uh, concerned about then was to make sure that everybody had a job um, and the only person who was redundant <laughs> out of a job was me. So, that was perfectly fine and so I found myself retired, you know, for the first time. And uh, j- during that period when we had the business, I my second child, my son was born in 1990, which was also just before the recession we had to have, you know. So, as I said, you name it, we went through it with that business but anyway the um, it's amazing how things work out because then uh, with my husband he uh, we were once I'd sold that business we then became equity partners in um, a real estate firm that he was working in as well uh, so whilst I was in quotes retired um he was uh he was totally tied in with the uh with the real estate business that we we were now owners in which we're now owners so but for me i, I uh, sat around and as i said twiddling my thumbs for a little while thinking about well oh no now what am i going to do <laughs> i've got no idea so uh it's funny when you know and i was far too young to actually retire and um and just sort of sit around, and and I'm not one of those. I was not, and I still am not one of those people who could just do nothing. You know, I really needed to be doing something. So, and of course, I hadn't been to university, so um, I enrolled myself in a part time degree, uh, which was a Master of Entrepreneurship and in Innovation, uh, which which was fantastic. And um, when I started, they said, the the lecturer said to me, Kerry, what are you doing sitting on in that on that side of the room should be up here you know in the front of the room not down not down amongst the students but anyway three years later uh, after completing the degree they it was swinburne and they actually did get me there teaching so which i did for another six years as well part-time but but still while i was studying doing that degree i started nexus business coaching which was a whole new idea in the mid-90s you know well before coaching and business coaching in particular, uh, became popular. And, of course, it's it's just part of common language today. Uh, but I started that as a as a business back in, in 1996 and grew it and um, continued it for another nine years. And then I did decide after that that I should really spend some time with the children before they completely disappeared <laughs> off the planet of the earth and, and home. So um, I did what I call sunset that business. So it wasn't a case of I didn't. Particularly want to sell it so I had uh, three other coaches working with me and I just let those coaches continue with the clients so um, that business is actually still uh, around today although I, in the in the form of my um, working with a couple of clients all this time more than 20 years I've, I've actually been working with them so um, uh, it was I really enjoyed it anyway that was um, so I spent time with the kids and did my um, my mum, I'd say, do my mum thing, um, and leopard. But you know, leopards don't change their spots, do they? So <laughs> I ended up being president of the parents' association at the schools and doing the fundraising and uh, you know, you name it, um, all of it. <laughs> so, and particularly uh, heavily involved with the local community with our sports club, with junior football and junior cricket, and then we started a little athletics and, um. Yeah, that's me. I continue to go on with things. So, um, And, of course, our real estate business was uh, also growing rapidly back then. Uh, And then in 2007, we actually sold it. Now, that's a story in itself for everyone. And what I say to people today is that you must always, always, always have your business ready for sale, even if you don't want to sell it because you never know when someone is going to come along and make you an offer too good to refuse. And that's a, a quote I, I like to use comes from Kerry Packer when he sold Channel 9 to Alan Bond and which was he sold for a billion dollars and he he made that statement that every business is for sale. And you never get you you only ever get one Alan Bond in your lifetime and I've had mine. Well that have, I I put our the sale of our real estate business in the same category they made it was an offer too good to refuse so we actually sold it that was in 2007 and uh, so it basically I was still doing that I was still doing the mum thing and um, my husband stayed on in the, the business himself working and just as a, a real estate agent listing and selling commission only um, but then uh, he was diagnosed with bowel cancer. So he, he actually resigned and left that in, 2000, in 2010, it was, yes. And so uh, obviously I looked after him for the next year while he went through the process of having an operation and all the treatment around it and recovering, So, um, uh, which was fine. He was free and clear then for another six years. And I have sad to say he's had another two rounds since then, but he's a very resilient man. Mm. And he's seen himself through those. Um, we're currently in the last round of another six lots of chemo, and um, we're uh, we're absolutely confident that this time it's totally knocked on the head again. But anyway, back to the back to the, back to my story. Let's focus on me. <laughs> <laughs> um, the um, so after he, he was well and uh, back into uh, back into work again, we actually started another real estate business with uh, a partner, and uh, he, he's continuing to work in that. And that's well that was back in 2011. So here we are now 2017, nearly 18. So uh, that's growing and uh, doing very nicely. And uh, we are so I found myself then a, a sort of. After he got back into the business again and he was, well, it's like – and this time the children have grown up and they really have – are off doing their own thing. It was the case of, well, what am I now going to do? You know, I can't just sit around and I could feel my brain atrophying. It was awful. And I was watching far too much daytime television. And I just thought, no, nah, I've got to do something. I think I'll go back into coaching, and so I started to do some research, and and I came across this press release from Price Waterhouse Coopers, which talked about baby boomers, and you know there are there's around roughly two and a half million private businesses in Australia, and over half of those businesses are actually owned by baby boomers. So. The first are retiring in two thousand or retired in twenty eleven, which was the beginning of a nineteen year trend. And the peak's going to be in twenty twenty eight, when I think there's something like eight thousand people a week turn sixty five. So I was thinking about and this is highlighted in that press release from PWC, was that no one talks about having an exit plan and an exit strategy. I think the 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 PwC press release was really directed at trying to get the government's attention to put together or fund, you know, some education programs around it. But they haven't. Nothing's happened. No, everyone's focused on startup, um, and which is which is fine too. But even when you're starting a new business, I mean, the best time to think about Exit. It, best time to think about what you're going to do is the exit is at the start. But given that most people don't think about that and it's not even in anyone's awareness, then the best time to start thinking about it is actually now. So I thought to myself, you know what? This is a huge trend. It's you know 19 years, a, a generation, a twenty twenty nineteen twenty year trend. So it's time to try and do something and help educate people to think about what they're going to do. So if they've been in their business for quite like a few years and it's been a wonderful business to have and created a fabulous lifestyle for them, that will eventually come to an end in one way, shape or form. So you can choose when and you can choose how, but you can't choose if you're going to exit your business because we are all human. We will exit our business one day. Um, So it's really important to think about what that is and what that means and there's so many different options that are available that um to people and and really now i've decided that's that's the best thing that i can do is be able to help educate people and show them and help them work through how to create real value look at the value drivers because if you've run your business for lifestyle and income then you're going to have to tweak it a little bit to be able to make it saleable. So that's the thing that really gets my juices flowing these days. So, I love, I love business and I love working with clients to help them grow their businesses and, and make them as valuable as they can possibly be. So, they are ready one day, you know, to be able to exit on their own timeline.
0: Mm. My gosh, Kerry, I'm picking my jaw up off the ground here listening to your journey. What a journey! you have gone through that's amazing absolutely amazing so and i have to as i'm listening to you i don't have an exit strategy and i'm i bet you most of our listeners listening to the show right now don't do not have an exit strategy and you're right our focus is is starting up and how do we start up and how do we keep going but we don't think about the end in mind like you said which i think it's it's a really good point um what are some myths around uh an exit strategy
1: Okay, so it's quite interesting, really, because um, when I wrote uh, my first book, which is The Uncensored Truth About Exit Strategies, I sat down and brainstormed basically 10 myths and really thinking, most people are saying that one of the myths is that they, they don't need an exit strategy until they're ready to sell the business. Well, just as I explained a few minutes ago, really, you do need your exit strategy, get yourself ready. Because if you don't give yourself enough time, you know, certainly if you're going to sell it in particular, you're not going to get the money that you really think that your business really could give you if you don't start to think about and give yourself enough time to prepare. So, um, so that's one of them. Second one is that a lot of people think that the person to help them the most is their accountant. Now, I love my accountant and I have a great time for, for him and his team, but he's not an exit strategist at all in any way, shape or form. Your accountants do, do have a, a really integral uh, role and obviously they have to get the financials together and um, put uh, numbers in place and really they will advise you on any sort of tax strategies and that side of things, but they are not really going to help you to ma- get the most out of your business in terms of the creating the value. So, that's another one that People will tend to think of, well, my accountant can help you, but they're not the best person. The other, another one is that they they say that, well, I'm too busy, I can't possibly start planning now. Let me ask you something: What happens if suddenly someone becomes ill in your business? So, just as my husband was diagnosed with bowel cancer, and we didn't know that, we had no idea, of course, that, that was coming, that if if something like that actually happens to you, then what contingencies do you have in place? So, if you haven't started to think about that and plan for it uh, and make the time, then you're going to find yourself in a little bit of strife, unfortunately. So, another th- another myth is that a lot of people uh, think that their wealth is actually... Uh, defined by how much money they earn. And that's not true at all. The way to create true wealth is, in fact, to sell your business. So, running a business will give you a great lifestyle. Selling it could make you a fortune. So that's just some of some Mm, of the myths.
0: I love it. Mm. So, Kerry, I'm thinking, like from my perspective, I'm sure our listeners are thinking the same thing. That if we start focusing on an exit strategy, aren't we taking our eye off the ball? Meaning that we're not focusing on the business side of things, or or can you do both?
1: Absolutely, you can do both because doing the right things today will ensure you have a successful exit in the future. And what that means is that. Exit strategy and exit strategy is not something that is in isolation. An exit strategy and it is simply about creating the most value around what you have today while at the same time putting in place all the elements that are required for you to one day exit. So that's why I say you need to give yourself enough time. So you're not f- just focusing, oh, I've got to focus on this one thing. Getting ready for exit is deciding that you will one day do X, Y, Z, whatever. You know, there's quite a number of different options available for you. Once you've made that decision, you then have a strategy in place that is simply part of really good business practice. So, it it goes hand in glove. It's not in isolation.
0: Mm. Wow, I'm just listening to you and going, this is something I obviously need to, oh, I'm sure even with our listeners, they're they're, um, probably thinking the same thing, something we need to look into. So obviously you're a business coach, you work with a lot of businesses, and we love to ask about pain points. We all have pain points. So with uh, your business, what are some of your biggest pain points or your challenges?
1: Ah, oh, look, I really think it's, so I'm a sole practitioner these days, you know, so I, I'm doing what I do because I love it, you know, and um, I love working with people. So, I think probably the biggest pain point for me is that um, I like to, I, I try to do too much, you know, <laughs> I always try to do too much, but it's really cash, if, if, if for any business, it's cash flow. Um, and the, uh, there's so much opportunity out there that uh, you've. Re- one of the things you really have to focus on is cash flow. And I have a couple of clients at the moment. They're both reasonable sized businesses, you know, doing in the millions turnover, couple of million. Um, but we're in this time of year now where a lot of cash is required to support very little business over the next month or month and a half. So um, really focusing on Uh, cash flow, I think that's probably the the biggest pain point that I've dealt with over the years and making sure that um, there is enough money, particularly when you're starting a business. You know, um, I say to people, have you got enough capital to be able to support yourself in your lifestyle that you currently enjoy for at least two to three years?
0: Mm -hmm. So,
1: I mean that that's comfort that's doing something comfortably if you don't have enough capital to do that or another source of income that can support you particularly when you're starting up a business then it really makes um, it's very stressful you know it's particularly stressful so um, making sure that that's that cash is king, understand that will really help you.
0: Yeah. And, Kerri, we've had a few uh, inspirational women on the show and it's one of those things that we kind of shun away from most of the time. We're talking about money and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And so we find that a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners actually outsource Um, that side of the business, whether it's, you know, accountancy or finance or cash flow. Um, But then what that does, it doesn't give them a greater understanding of their business and doesn't give them, it doesn't, they don't have the buy-in as to what they need to do to keep that cash flow going.
1: That's exactly right. And one of the the real issues with that is that you're not getting your information in a timely fashion. Mm. So um, one of the keys really is, in terms of your relationship with your accountant in you know, an external accountant if that's which most people would have it's a case of making sure that your information is up to date that it is current and that it's not lagging that you don't wait 3 months and 6 months to get your information you have to have it monthly minimum absolutely minimum it needs to be done monthly and with beautiful systems around like zero there's absolutely no reason why that can't be done you know it's just so easy today compared to what it was years ago so that is simply around having good systems and processes and disciplines in place
0: and Kerry, is that something that you do yourself or do you outsource somebody that looks after your that side of the business
1: I actually look after our own Xero There's, because it's easy. It's a very simple system and I'm not a big business, but I have a couple of clients uh, who are also use Xero, but they outsource the bookkeeping side of it. So somebody comes into their business twice a week and does all the uh, update into Xero and processes invoices and uh, sets up payments for um, suppliers, et cetera, et cetera. So they have a bookkeeper who comes in and does that, and but then they can just simply go into zero and create their own profit, have a look at their own profit and loss um, and cash flow statements uh, immediately. So mm. you know it's it is a case of depending on the size of the business as to whether how you know how viable that becomes for you. Um, and I would say once uh, once you find yourself spending, more time doing your accounts than you are doing marketing, then you're in trouble.
0: Mm. You
1: need to be outsourcing that.
0: So for you're obviously working with a lot of businesses and for our listeners who are in business and maybe, you know, cash flow is an issue for them, how do they find the right financial knowledge um, as well as marketing?
1: Well, can they, I, I know we don't have checkbooks these days, but if um, if someone is a if someone's actually managing a household and uh, also running a business, then I think that they're very probably very good cash flow managers. Quite frankly, mm-hmm. but to get look to get finan- understanding financials. It, it, is, it can be a struggle for people at times, um, and I, th- I would really highly recommend that you just go along and do a- – a simple course. In fact, you probably can do something online uh, that will would be say finance for non financial people. You know that mm, really yeah. can can teach you the um, the very basics that you need to understand, and um, the nuances more than anything of mm. of the differences in timing between you know payments and collections. But they've probably been experiencing that, and then also understand what are the processes that you can put in place to be able to overcome that you know there's a there's a big move today to um, uh, subscription type businesses or membership structures those sorts of things and if you can improve your, your cash collections by a few days that can often make a huge difference to your cash flow so I'm sure well I know there are there are many programs available that are online Um, but that's uh, that was would be something that I would highly recommend and it's certainly something that I I actually run workshops for some of my clients for their staff um, to teach them financial literacy
0: oh that's good we might need to have you on for a webinar or something because I I think (laughs) I outsource all of that and I have to say that I shun away from numbers and my excuse is I'm not good with numbers so I'll just get somebody else to do it um, and I, I stick to the what I'm good at. I work with my strengths. But it's in saying that, you can't become blind to your own business. You need to be aware of what's going on, what's going in, what's going out. And I think this is the thing that um, most of us um, don't want to know about.
1: Correct. And I'm not I'm not saying that you should sit down and do all your own accounts, not by any stretch, but you need to understand them and so that you need so the information that's put in front of you makes sense to you and it's not just you're not just looking at a, a page of blurred numbered numbers, mm. you know, that you are actually looking at something that is meaningful to you and you can understand it.
0: Yeah. It's. I mean, still to this day, I have had the same accountant for I don't know how many years now, and sometimes I still feel like he speaks Japanese to me because I don't yes. sa- speak the same language. So,
1: yes, and they all. Everyone has their jargon, and accountants in particular are really good at it.
0: <laughs> yes, I know, I know. So, Kerry, you're such a remarkable woman. I can't, I can't get over how much you've done. Who's been some of your greatest influence along the way?
1: Well, definitely the people that I've worked alongside. I think, um, you know, you just sometimes you just gravitate to people. My, my very earliest, very early mentor, um, in one of my earliest jobs was a guy called Mac Tolliday, um, who was behind the, he was the brains behind the launch of Bank Card in Australia. How about that? Mm. And a lot of, your listeners will probably not even know what a bank card is, but that was the first credit card that came out. So uh, he worked for the Commonwealth Bank and he was uh, he was the brains behind that, which was extraordinary. Um, he was a terrific person to work alongside and he gave me so much opportunity. But then uh, also another fabulous person, John Bowen, who was uh, an early mentor. Uh, he was someone that I met believe this or not go when I went on a holiday to Hawaii um, way back when in the early 70s and uh, he and his family were on board the same flight we ended up uh, doing the same uh, tour and uh, became really good friends well he was he was a absolutely incredible person uh un-, un un sort of very unassuming completely self-made and uh, very uh, humble in everything that he did and his family are still our greatest friends today in fact uh, uh he unfortunately he passed away from prostate cancer Mm. Um, now it would be about 12 years ago now Um, but we're still really good friends with his um, with the family and um, he, he would definitely have been really a one of the strongest influence and in fact he's the mentor that I went to who said to me you write the business plan Kerry and I'll help you get the money together so
0: Oh,
1: I love that. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was he was absolutely fantastic, um, and I I guess really that um, you know our, our grandparents were probably my my sister and I grew up with our grandparents really being our parents, and they had such strong values, and I think that probably well of course they were our earliest influence, and they instilled some unbelievable. Um, strong values and and um, work ethics, if you like, into us. And um, I think that has really stood us in good stead over the years, yeah.
0: Mm, I love it. So, Kerry, as we wrap up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. So what would be that one word for you?
1: Well, I think for me it would be trustworthy. So you ask me, well, There's another one, too, which is reliable. (laughs) So um, I know people say it to me, Kerry, I know I can always trust you, always, because whatever we ask you to do, you will do. You're 100% reliable, and we know we can trust you all the way. So yeah, that's probably me.
0: I love it. Trustworthy. Love it. And the other thing that we ask our woman of inspiration is to pick three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners. So what would be those three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners today?
1: Uh, First of all, pick at least one book a month to read. If you can do more than one go for it but at least one to read every single month and um what is something that's either uh, educational or it could be a, a biography or even a classic uh like um think and grow rich i think was john bowen said to me kerry this is the book you need to read think and grow rich and that was uh way 30 years ago so mm, i love um, that book it's yeah. napoleon hill Yes, Napoleon Hill, absolutely. So, um, And even going back into some of the philosophers, I've just actually started reading Plato now Mm. uh, because it's amazing how inspirational those old philosophical books have become and you translate them into the world that we're in today. It's amazing, actually. So I think, yes, read at least one book a month. That's definitely a, a golden nugget. The second one would be to take time for yourself. It really is important to nurture your soul and make sure that you are looking after you, number one. And I would say... Give yourself a bit of pampering in that. Take time for yourself. My biggest pamper for me is to have a pedicure. Mm. If I can go and have a pedicure every month, I absolutely love it. I don't get one every month, I have to say, but I love to do it. That's my goal. To, to That's my take time for yourself. And, it, you know, it's really important to nurture your soul. And the third thing would be to get enough sleep because sleep is wonderful. You, you know, when you, have, when you get a really good night's sleep, how much of a difference does it make to you the next day? Absolutely. It's just fabulous. And I say to my clients, that's actually one of the things I really, really ram home is get enough sleep because – if you, could, if you work yourself all night, you know, through the day and then through the night and you don't get enough sleep, your productivity is just on the floor mm-hmm. the next day. You're only kidding yourself if you think you're actually getting more done because you're not. So, yeah, make sure you get enough sleep.
0: Mm, oh, I love for more. And, Kerry, I could really relate to uh, take time for yourself. And I think that, you know, just speaking with you prior to uh, the interview and seeing how passionate you are about what you do, it's really hard not to get caught up in that rut because you love what you do. It's like you're not working a day in your life because you love it so much. But then it's like, oh, hang on a minute, I've got to take some time out for me too. So that that takes a bit of like I think you've got to train your brain to, to be able to switch off and do that. Do you agree?
1: Oh, totally, absolutely, totally. In fact, I'll let you in on another secret, something that I do take time for myself in every week. I mean I love to have the pedicure but what I do is I go for an acupuncture session every oh. week. Wow. Every week for one hour. And, um, and uh, it started because of a, uh, a chronic injury that I had from many years ago from having broken leg and ankle and riding a bike, and it all comes back to bite you eventually. Mm-hmm. And the only way I could deal with the pain, I was trying to get rid of the pain, and someone suggested that I go and try acupuncture, which I did do, and it absolutely worked for me. For three years now, I have now been going every week, to have acupuncture and that little one hour of respite is just brilliant. Mm. So that's, that really is my nurture time every I lo- week.
0: <laughs> I love acupuncture. I was, there was one time when I was really sick for about six months and I was going every week and I was getting the croissage, you know, with the spoon where they massage your, the, the, your back and your shoulders yes. with the spoon Ooh. and then cupping as well on top of that.
1: Yeah. So I'd come so- home,
0: look like I got beaten up in an alley somewhere.
1: <laughs> i don't i don't come home looking like i'm beaten up but i completely understand it yes yeah. but if it and when my acupuncturist takes holidays i'm very upset
0: how oh, dare you <laughs> that's gorgeous so kerry for our listeners how can they find you what's the best place to go to
1: best place really is my website which is uh the exit strategy au. Or if they just Google my name, Kerry Bolton, that's a B-O-U-L-T-O-N and it's Kerry with a Y, I'll pop up. I'm all over Google on Kerry Bolton. <laughs> so, um, but that that's, I'm easy to find, I think, that way.
0: Mm. I'm sure that our listeners are going to reach out to you, Kerry. It's been amazing to have you on the show. Like I said, we haven't ever spoken about an exit strategy and a lot of our listeners are women in business and entrepreneurs and I think they'll get great value out of this interview. So thank you so, so very much for your time and your energy.
1: My absolute pleasure. Thanks, Catherine.
0: where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an e-book to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano.